1: Welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about life's troubles, trials, triumphs, and just everyday happenings. Today I have with me Dylan Palladino. Dylan, thank you for being with us here today, and uh, I hope that we we really get to look at the life of a comedian.
0: Yeah, dude, I hope so. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, we're excited. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, comedians kind of a lot of them suffer from a chronic depression. Have you, in your career, dealing with other comedians? How do you, how do you see that in others?
0: So I, th- I, I've thought about this a lot, and I think that a lot of times, this depression might stem from a almost addiction to the the high of when you get on stage. Right, right. I think a lot of comedians maybe start out they want more happiness in their life. They want more laughter. Uh, whatever it is. I know for me, the, the reason why I wanted to start doing it was I was not in a great place in college, just like in a bad couple of months, you know, kind of a normal like depression. You know, the thing is a lot of people just have normal malaise and sadness in their life. And that's part of just being human. Right. And I remember I was listening to a comedian on Pandora and I just remember feeling good and laughing at it. And I remember having the distinct thought, Uh, I want to do this for other people because I've been here and I get it. Right, right. And I think a lot of comedians have that even more than I do. I'm lucky enough that I have a decent amount of uh, not insane depression, but uh, I know people that do. And I think it leads people towards comedy because you feel good doing it. You feel validated from other people doing it, which then I think helps to combat it a bit and at least for me and i like to think a lot of comics are like this as well you feel like you're helping someone that might be going through some shit that you were going through right yeah. right so uh,
1: how does that affect you though being on stage and getting the response from from your audience but then walking off stage do you ever get the feeling like man i nailed that and felt good or then just you know really thought oh i did a horrible job while they responded but it was just kind of awkward
0: Oh yeah, you have a lot of bombs. Okay. You, you do poorly a lot. Okay. And I don't know if all comics are like this, but for me, I I don't like bombing. No one likes bombing. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But a lot of times if I get off stage and I don't think I did my best or I feel like I could do better, I almost want to go up again right then and there. Right, right. And I think a lot of times that's the mark of whether someone is going to be a comic or not is it's easy to get off stage and be doing and have done well and be like, I want to do that again. Right, right. But if you get off and you're like, that did not go well, and then you want to go do it again so you can get better, I think that is whatever the kind of psychosis in our brain that the switch has been flipped right. that leads towards that. Because for me, if I go, if I go if it goes poorly, I'm like, time to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta figure this out. Right, and you've got to
1: make up for. for you got to make
0: up for it. Yeah, you're ch- it's like you're you're really chasing the dragon that is doing well because it's it's a feeling and a and a drug that's better than anything I've ever done and or experienced with other people. And again, I really think that a lot of people that meet comics who seem kind of chronically sour or jaded or anything, it's because we've been doing this thing where we get this high that is being on stage, doing well, getting in front of people Mm -hmm. that, you know, all all the, the other times we're just like trying to get back there. We're sick, you know. We're trying to get good, man. You know, we're trying like, and when you don't get on stage for a while or you haven't had a good show in a while, you get more and more upset because you haven't had your fix of just killing it and crushing. It. And, and I, have felt it for me when you don't have a good set in a while. You'll hear a lot of comics be like, oh, I haven't had a good set in a while. Or you'll hear comics be like, I had a great set two weeks ago. And they, you can ride that for a while if it right, was really good. Right, right. Yeah.
1: So no one likes any of my jokes that I give. Uh-huh. So uh, I guess I'm the dad joke extraordinaire. But dad jokes and-
0: are, are necessary in our True. society. And if they're done right, it's almost like someone had to do it. Right. And it was dad. And he's filling his part, you know and Right. He, you maybe have a role and you're like, I know I have to make this joke, you know? There was a I I passed by a, what was it, a restaurant the other day. And it was called, um I think, Jerking It Chicken or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jerk, it was a jerk chicken spot. Mm-hmm. Jerkin' It Chicken. I was like, there are a lot of dads that are driving by that spot and making an off-color joke and we're right. really having... A nice little chuckle to themselves, right?
1: There is a a store in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's uh, they sell nuts, different kind of, and the name of the store is Taste Our Nuts. Yes. And so I, I'm just going, why would anybody, you know? Oh, because they know. Yeah, yeah. The name sticks. I mean, it's all in branding. It's all, it's all there. So let me ask you this question too, uh, before we kind of get into your your life and times here, of. How do you encourage other comedians? Because I know that could be a sticky situation if somebody is like continually bombing for them to take constructive criticism. When do you say, okay, it's okay for me to tell them or, oh, I have to tell them. Or do you get into that?
0: You got to be friends with someone (laughs) or have some kind of relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Trust me, I see people that I know shouldn't be doing it, Mm -hmm. do it for years. And you kind of want to be like, you want to tell them, but you're not in that area. You don't have mm-hmm. that connection. It's not worth it. Right. It's weird. You also know they're not going to listen because mm-hmm. every person in stand-up kind of has this self-denial. Of, I mean, you have to. Right. You have to just deny the facts because at the beginning, you aren't going to be good. Right. So you have to just deny it and be like, I am going to get good. And sometimes people do. And other times people don't, but they still, they still push on. Right. So if it's someone who I'm friends with, I'll someone's be like, "Uh, maybe add this tag, figure this out. Or if it's someone I'm friends with that I like, I will tell them, I loved it when you did this thing. This is what I think works the best for you. Because I have a pretty good audience brain watching other people. With me, it's a lot harder. I never, like, I never know. But when I watch other people, I go, I think this is going to work more. This is going to fit in with how you look. This is going to fit in with what you usually talk about. Sometimes I'll, like, help with things like that. But Comics usually don't want advice from other comics unless they ask for it. There's right. maybe two or three people they'll ask for. We all kind of want to just figure it out on our own. Right. It's, we, we just like we feel like we need to do it all on our own. Yeah. And the people that bomb continuously, you wish the best for them. Right. It's pretty astonishing um, how good the brain is at uh, denying reality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I watched this comic one time, and it was in a church. He was a Christian comic, and he was Amish. That sounds of- good of all things, um, Amish. And he talked about uh, that he had 14 goats and his whole bit was, and I was like, this is the most horrible, horrible that I've ever heard. And he had all this merchandise. I mean, just all this stuff. And so I I was out in the foyer and uh, I heard him on the phone with somebody saying, I just killed it, man. That was the best show. And I was like, people were laughing at you, not at your jokes.
0: Here's the thing, I really envy those guys yeah. because I feel like their self-talk and their confidence is probably higher than mine ever will be. Or they or they could be really just trying hard to deny the fact that they know the truth. I don't know. Right. I kind of want to believe it's the first one because I want to believe that there's some people out there that are so oblivious that they just think they're the shit and are the best even though they aren't. Can we curse on here, by the way? Yeah. So yeah okay. We're, uh, um, be you. We're yeah, not yeah, trying yeah. to, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And besides, it's too late. You already yeah, have I said, yeah. So I said it's what, yeah. You can believe it a like, couple of podcasts, yeah. though, if we bleep some things out, we'd just hear bleeps. That's, yeah. And that's, so that's, it's all good. It's awesome. all good.
0: I'll keep, I'll keep it to a minimum. But though, yeah, those guys, I'm like, man, they, he just doesn't see it and he doesn't care. And he's so confident that he did well. Those are the guys that are Those are some of the guys that honestly, they might be at it for 15 years and then maybe they'll finally figure something out right. and make some kind of career because they just refused to see all the signs that they weren't doing well. Right. You know, because sometimes it's just a game of attrition. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I'm i never telling someone I killed when I didn't. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I loved what you said when, when I asked you about you know, if you give advice to other comics where you said, I would go to them and I, I would say, I loved this mm-hmm. instead of what a lot of people probably would do is say, this wasn't good yeah, and that wasn't good. And so I, I love the way that you emphasize the positive. And I think it's important for us to realize that that in life when somebody does something bad— There is always a positive. For sure. Yeah. uh, Telling a a horrible joke here. Uh, There was this lady who was always talking positive about everybody. Nobody could ever hear her say anything negative. And so the preacher came to her one day and he said, I've got her. Like, I know how I'm going to get her. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, Sister so-and-so, tell me something good about the devil. And she thought for a minute and she said, well, he's an awful hard worker. (laughs) So no matter yeah. so, no matter who we are, yeah, there is something good, you know, and it's hard for other people to see that sometimes, but it's also very difficult for us to see that at times. And so, I think it's important for us to communicate what we like about a person and and not always the bad stuff.
0: I try to do that as soon as I meet someone. Mm-hmm. I try to be like, "I love this thing about you. I don't know if it was learned or is just something I like doing." It's not a conscious thing where I'm like, oh, this is endearing. This will help me. Mm -hmm. It might've been a learned thing where I go, because a lot of stuff that you do, their habits from wanting to be liked their habits from wanting to fit in with the group, the tribe, all that stuff. I also think it makes you feel good when I'm like, when I'm talking about something that I legitimately love about you, I'm thinking about it and it makes me happy because I liked that memory. Also at the end of the day, if I meet someone and I actually like them and I want to have a conversation with them, I want it to go well. Mm So I want to start off at the best foot possible. and I know it makes people feel good to be like, let me bring this one thing up. Let me bring up something specific so that, you know, I'm not just doing the bullshit where I'm like, oh, you, you're great. I'll try to, if I can remember something, bring that up because it, it also makes people feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't believe someone when they give them compliment. It's hard to take compliments. So if you can be nice, just, it feels good for you too.
1: Right. You know? Right. So you grew up in Los Angeles, but you're mm-hmm. a New Yorker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was born here, but then I I moved to L.A. when I was five. Okay. And then my parents followed soon after. Uh, no, we all went at the same time. I was five years old. Uh, yeah, there you go. Bad joke. And But so I moved when I was five, and then I came back uh, when I was 18 okay. I to NYU. And so I've been here for 10 years.
1: Did you just come back to New York because of NYU, or did you feel a drawing?
0: Definitely felt a drawing. Okay. Yeah, we would come back, I think, once a year to see family and go to the city, and I always loved it here and i never liked california until i left and then i appreciated sure all the things that i hadn't before i'm still want to be here right whenever i go anywhere else i'm like this is really nice Mm -hmm. but i'll be back in new york soon enough right even um during the pandemic i left for like two and a half months and even then i was still like i will go back i want to go back but yeah something about the city just i think it works for hyperactive people definitely even though there's a lot of people who come here who have insane anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little confused why they would want to be in the city. I, I kind of equate it to if someone has ADD and they take Adderall, it calms them down. Right. I'm kind of like that. I don't take Adderall, but I've taken it a couple times and it did calm it me down. It calms you, right. I think the city's like that too. There's all this stuff going on and it feels, it makes more sense because you're like, that's what's going on in my head. Right. Like I, I remember once I was in an MRI and most people freak out and they get claustrophobic and it calmed me down because of all those noises i was like oh, i can go to sleep now right yeah right.
1: yeah i was talking to someone cuz uh, this is my first time in new york city first time in new york the state so really? yeah i'm just a country boy from arkansas How long have you been so here? since mon- sunday afternoon so oh seriously yeah yeah oh i thought you lived here oh no 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 no, oh. no. i couldn't live here i oh, mean it's no? just no it's just crazy so I was thinking the other day, I, I took an Uber to where I'm staying, uh-huh. and the Uber almost run over somebody. But yeah. I was like, okay, I couldn't do this. Like It's normal. And so then I was talking to somebody, and they were like, it's dead outside. And I'm like, there are people everywhere. And they were like, no, that's it's like 20%. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't even imagine, just can't imagine that kind of moving you know, going on, and so I, I could see though how that would be calming to mm-hmm. to people who uh, the the whole movement of everything and the uh, energy of it yeah could calm
0: calm a little bit. It does, man. I like people. I don't like talking to them, but I like seeing them around. <laughs> you know, I like seeing all the weird stuff they do. I like all that. It's great. Right. It's great to see it happen. And you see all the characters here and you see how real people are because everyone here, even though there's everyone, even though there's a million people around you, everyone's so caught up in their own stuff that you're like, I could do anything and no one will care. I've walked by people t- literally shitting on the street and mm-hmm. you're just like, whatever. Like yeah. it's, cr- you just are completely desensitized to it. And I I say that in a way that you will see people being their realist here because mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, well... No. Because
1: they're probably not ever going to see that person again.
0: For sure. Yeah. Every day there's people I run into that I most likely will, will never see them again. And if I do, I won't remember. Right. The only time you'll we'll see someone again who's a random stranger is if you take the train at the exact same time every day for work or something, you'll maybe go, oh, I kind of recognize that person.
1: Or they saw you bomb one of your shows and then they know who you are. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they'll bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or they'll probably try to pitch you new material. That oh, they think yeah, is the best. hilariously you funny. You this. Yeah, my grandpa
0: yeah. loves doing that. He's like, you should be like this guy. And yeah. I'm like, that guy's six inches shorter than me and has 150 pounds on me and is also Southern. So it's a little bit of a different guy. Right. And is a beard. And he's like, he's like, you should do more stuff like that. And I'm like, we're not the same guy at all. But thank you, grandpa. Right. I appreciate it. And that
1: works for him, but that yeah. wouldn't work for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, my, it's also. My grandpa's taste in comedy, he's 87. Right. He probably liked Bob Hope and like Rodney Dangerfield and stuff. By the way, I'm not hating on either of them. Those guys are both, especially Rodney, were great, but it's like, that's not my style. Right. So, or like Jerry
1: Clower or mm -hmm. Justin Wilson, all of those older, uh, you know, early 80s, 70s type of stuff that would never fly you know, in, in this generation of, of comedy.
0: I even think, like, because, I mean, you're from the South. My mom's from the South. So I've had a lot of interactions with uh, people in North Carolina, the south, like the, the South in general. And when Blue Collar Comedy Tour was going on, they were crushing it. Mm-hmm. Ron White's an amazing comic. So is um, Bill Engvall. Bill Engvall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron White, Bill Engvall, guy. Larry the Cable Guy, and then Jeff, Jeff. Foxworthy. Uh-huh. And, you know, I don't know if that comedy would... I think it's a different style than what it is right now. Sure. But I would never look at that and go, that's bad. Or if someone was like, I liked it, I would go, yeah, I get it. It's just yeah. a different style than what sure. I like, and it, do- it doesn't work for me. And also as a comic, you kind of see what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, here a year or two ago, they did Blue Collar Reboot, where they had new comics that kind of fit the stylistics mm-hmm. of of the old, and it flopped. I mean, it's got, it yeah, flopped Yeah, I mean, everyone's going bad.
0: there expecting here's your sign, expecting redneck, expecting, like, you can't, you're setting them up for failure. Whoever thought of that, like, unless they're their sons and they're all four of their sons, it's just, it's going to flop. Because people, the biggest problem is, is expectations not being met. That's, I mean, that's the biggest problem for most people's lives in general, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's going to a comedy show, going on a date, you know, even someone was telling me the other day, they were like someone that loves uh, like smoking weed or it'll get to the point where when they start rolling the joint, their brain is already anticipating how it's going to feel. And they're already getting that serotonin they're already getting like those neurons to be firing Mm -hmm. before they even smoke it. Right. And it's that anticipation of it being good. It's kind of like Pavlov's dog. 100%. Yeah. 100% Pavlov's dog. So it's like you have an anticipation when you go to something. That's why a lot of times I try to not want anything to be good or anticipate anything. It's hard with certain things you really wanna go to, but like concerts and stuff, I really try to be like, this is gonna be fun, I'm gonna have a good time no matter what, but not build it up because your brain can create something that is impossible to achieve. Sure, so do you think it's
1: more of like, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. In in terms of what? In terms of not building yourself up. Like you hope that it's really good and it is going to be fun, but if it's not, then I'm not going to be disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think it's like I'm looking forward to this. I get to choose, and this is this has come from experiences where where I haven't done this and reading different people's opinions on this as well. I'm going to choose to have a good time no matter what because we have to choose our reality. We choose how we react to things. Reality happens to us and then there's the buffer, which is our brain right. and how we choose to react to something. Right. Which I think is a revelation I had maybe around 24, 25 to then, and I tried to incorporate that for many years, but it helped me a lot because a lot of times people are just reactionary. Something happens and then they just go at it. Right. And then you have to tell yourself, wait, I get to choose what happens right now. Mm-hmm. So I think even with something like that concert, you go to it, maybe it sucks. Like, damn, this sucks. And you can be upset for it, but you go, I'm with friends. This is okay. I'm going to choose to enjoy this or I'm going to choose to go, let's call an audible and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Let's go, like, let's do something that we all are going to have a good time doing no matter what it is. But wanting something to be what you know it's not, and we've all been there. I mean, I equate it to, it's something dumb, but I've been, I've been, I've since quarantine, i been playing a lot more video games. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're playing and you're just not in the groove, right? Right. You're playing games. You're getting beamed from all over the place. You're getting killed. It's not good games. And you went in being like, I want good games. I want this to go well. So instead of just pulling out after 45 minutes, I'm in there for three hours just wanting one good game and getting more and more frustrated because it's not going well. Right. And... I'm bad about it with gam. And most other things, I'm pretty good about it yeah, with, but games, yeah. I'm still like, oh, I can control this, but it's that same thing where you, instead of just accepting, ah, this isn't gonna this this isn't it. The vibe right. isn't there. Right. You know, you go, no, I'm gonna like whenever you're trying to force something mm-hmm. with relationships, even career stuff, when you try to force it to happen, a lot of times, a lot of times it feels like when you stop trying, shit works out. Absolutely. And I don't know if that's a perception thing. I don't know if that's a universe thing, working to, you know, whatever it is. But a lot of times it feels like that's what happens.
1: Right. So I've had people ask me, so how do I find a boyfriend? I just, or a girlfriend, I just cannot find somebody compatible. And I say, quit looking. Mm-hmm. because that's when that person is going to show up. To show up. Uh, you said something interesting when you talked about perception and reality. Uh, we have been told this lie all of our life that perception is reality. And, and I think it's important to point out that perception is only your reality.
0: What you and I see is, is different. Right. And it trips me out all the time. Right. That like what I see, mm-hmm. even though it's probably 99.9% mm-hmm. the same as you, it's not exactly the same. Exactly. Even even the color of that button right. might look different to you. Absolutely. And I'll never know that. Right. I'll never know. Yeah. But that's a different, that sh- makes me be like, this is simulate. I get really deep and I'm like, this is maybe a simulate Like, am I dreaming? What the right. hell is going right. on? Yeah. Right.
1: So uh, you probably don't know this, but I was a police officer for a number of years. Really? And uh, I wrote somebody a ticket for running a red light, but mm-hmm. it was like blatant obvious. I mean. Yeah. It uh, Cause caused, apparently a, it's caused like an accident.
0: If the, fir- if the front wheels are past the stoplight, the, the stop then you're okay, right? Right, right. It, it, even if it turns red, at least, okay, yeah. Yeah. I always tell myself that, and I go, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I kind of had this three-second rule, you okay. know, if if it had been past three. so anyway, And it wasn't dangerous, right? right but this right, one you're saying caused. Right. It, it, it caused an accident. So they fought it. They went to court, mm-hmm. and they got on the stand, and the prosecutor said, okay, so why did you run the red light. They said, I did not run a red light. And they said, well, we have video here. And they said, that light is not red. It's pink. And they convinced the jury that their perception of it was not red. And the statute of law said a red light. And we could not prove with beyond a reasonable doubt that the light was red or hot pink. So they got out
0: of it. That's amazing. And so, good for them, you yeah. must have been not even mad. You must have been. I like, was like, honestly floored.
1: You need to be an attorney. Yeah, you you're know, really you, good at this. You are good at this, and and so, you know, perception's not reality. And so, then let's kind of walk this back to what you perceive to be a good show mm-hmm. may not be a good show. I do, and uh, not trying to name drop or anything, but Mm -hmm. one of my favorite shows to watch is Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. But when it went from being in the studio to being at his home, it went to crap. I mean, but you draw off of your audience. Mm -hmm. And so you get that energy and you get that kind of euphoric high. 100%. And so when, and as you said, when you're not getting that on a daily basis or a weekly basis you start to depreciate. And so what, as a comic, what do you do when you start to see yourself dwindling down of that of that nature? How do you get yourself back up if you don't have a show or something to where you might uh, get that, that drive again?
0: It's hard. It's a big part of, I think, what a lot of comics go through, the struggle about trying to get things. I distract myself with other things to do. I'm a big hobbyist. I'm trying to learn piano now. I try to read about different things. I try to go, okay, if I'm not going to have, if it's not happening for me right now, I might as well enrich my person in terms of what I know about, what I learn about, the skills that I have, at least to, as far as we know in our perception, have one life. And so you might as well try to enrich it as much as you can with different things. I try to do that. Sometimes I'll try to watch other stand-up or other comedy to just give me ideas about different things to do. I'll see what other people are doing. A lot of times I'll go to stand-up shows that my friends are on. And that's twofold for multiple reasons. Like a lot of times, if you go to shows, producers will see you there. You could potentially be like, Oh, I'd love to do your show, that kind of thing. The the game of comedy, which sucks. I hate doing it. I, I didn't do it for so long and it kind of handy like hamstrung me a bit. I should have done it earlier. Also, seeing other people do well and and watching it, it's like a lot of people that do comedy are fans of comedy first. So we love watching it go well. Right. You know, I've found creating something that you really like also helps. Maybe I'll try to make a video that I think is somewhat funny, but also creative, not just super hacky in some ways. Try to find new outlets. I think for me, something completely new sets off that I don't know what it is, a different pathway in my brain where like, it makes me excited. Right. It, it's novelty, I, that's a, no, a normal brain response to novelty. That will help. Even I, I edit videos and I put them online for my Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And then I found out that I could animate a little text thing on it to be like, click below. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times after 15 seconds, you have to click to continue the video. And even that, I was like, oh, this is something a little new. Maybe this will help. Like, There's always, for me, it's always just trying to figure out what's What's the piece in the puzzle that I haven't gotten yet that's maybe going to work out and push this forward? That's what I try to do. And then when, when I could hang out with friends, hang out with friends. The biggest thing probably was working out. I mean, we know it's a huge antidepressant and anti-anxiety. And so, like, I would do that and would just feel better no matter what. At the end of the day, I'd be like, at least, you know, I'm staying fit. I'm staying strong. I feel good about myself that way. It sounds a little... um It makes it sound less glamorous and philanthropic, Mm -hmm. but sometimes if I'm not feeling good, I will message someone and tell them how great they're doing or something. And I like doing it because I know it, I think I do it because I'm not feeling good and I'm like, I know other people probably aren't feeling good at some time. Let me at least make someone else feel good if I'm not feeling good. Like, let me at least spread it. And I think it makes me feel a little bit better too.
1: Right. So one thing that we talk about in psychology is loosely termed a doctrine of if you want more of what you don't have, give what you have away. So Mm -hmm. if you're feeling down, you give the positive energy that you have to someone else. Yeah. The problem comes into play though, when it's not reciprocal, when you text somebody or you message somebody and you say, hey, I just want you to know that you're a great person, that I value you, I, I enjoy our friendship, you know, all of those kind of things, and then you get a text back, thanks, yeah, or K,
0: or what do you want? Yeah, I, I keep most of those people out of my life. Yeah, for sure, and I don't, I, I do try not to expect to expect a reciprocal response from people, and I, I don't get the same of what I give out to people, but I think people give it in different ways. Sure, that sometimes I might not even. People want to hang out. They, you know, they want to see me. And I don't see someone like wanting to hang out. It doesn't make me be like, oh, I'm loved and wanted. Mm-hmm. It, for whatever reason, it just doesn't translate like that into my head. That might be their way of being like, I want to show the opposite. But uh, I think maybe it's because I feel like I need to be on when I see people. It's straight Or I like hearing about what's going on in people's lives. And I think people that are close to me are used to me asking. But then it becomes a thing where if I hang out with someone, I almost feel like, I mean, you probably get this. You have to hear about everything that's going on, and, and it can be tiring. Absolutely. And not even in a way that you don't like that person. It's just like— They
1: suck all the energy out it, of you. It's
0: a weird thing where it sucks energy out, and you want to help them, mm-hmm. but it also is an energy suck, and not in a way that, like, they're a parasite. You're choosing to do it, right? but it's still—you still are tired of it, and at the end of the day, you're like, I just, like, I I, I can't deal with that right now and it must well in the medical world
1: and in psychology we call it stress fatigue or compassion fatigue and it gets to a point of where yeah i love you yeah you're a great person you're a great friend but i just don't have anything else to give not even yeah. to listen and i even find myself you know when somebody says hey do you want to hang out i'm going yeah that's a great idea but then when it comes time to do it i'm like do I really want to invest my time to have to sit here and listen to their problems for free? You know, this That's is, no, you know what? Is, I feel
0: like that a lot. And I, I feel like that with certain friends that I'm very good friends with and I, that I love, but I maybe don't hang out with them as much because sometimes I go, oh, this might be my fault because I was so open with them mm-hmm. and allowed them sure in a way that most people didn't. So they were like, they finally felt like there was someone that actually cared about them. And they're like, oh, my God, I can be open with this person. Sure. And I want that. And I I want that. And I'm happy that they have that. I want all of that to happen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. You can't be that 24-7. You can't. You can't always, and sometimes it feels like you fall into that. Right. Whereas the friends that I've been friends with since, because I have friends that I've been friends with since middle school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like this back then, you know? We didn't talk about, you know, when you're, you don't really talk about emotions, you don't like open up. There's no, almost no talk of it. And I do now try to open up a little bit to be like, but if I sense something, but at least with them, when we're hanging out, my brain's kind of off. We're joking about BS. We're talking like whatever it is. I don't really care about sports, but th- we watch sport, whatever it is. And at least with them, whenever I think about hanging out, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a chore. I go, oh, I'm just going to bullshit with my friends for a little bit. And that's nice. And I like having both of them, but sometimes you can feel like, damn, I gotta be there for this person, and I want to. So I know I'm gonna sh- like if I be if I'm there and they start bringing up stuff like I'm gonna show up. I'm not I'm not gonna phone it in. Mm-hmm. Like at least I respect myself enough. I remember I was with this girl and she was super like empath like is it empathic or empathetic? Empathetic. Empathetic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she was like, I'm an empath, and she was empathetic, and it wasn't bullshit. She really was in, in to the point where like. We hadn't even been dating that long, and she just could call me on stuff. She could just tell what was going on, could tell how I was feeling, could see it all in my face. She could read me so... And she was like that with most people, and she said that it's very tiring because when someone would express an emotion or some kind of uh, tribulation, something that was going wrong in their life, Mm -hmm. she would, like, feel it. Yeah. And so it was hard for her to spend time with a lot of people sometimes because it would be so tiring. And I and at first I was like this sounds kind of self-aggrandizing but it was true. Right. And I and I got and I believed her. Right. So
1: within personality traits we all possess a certain amount of every personality trait. Mm-hmm. So then if we like for a comic that in our personality trait of having that you know to have that affirmation that just fills us up But when we get to the point of having to have apathy or empathy, while that may be very little down on our, we still do it, but it sucks everything out of us. You know, it feels like we worked for yeah. 12 hours straight or, yeah, yeah, or for yeah. 24 hours straight. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're Dylan's friend and he comes out and does whatever with you and then just leaves abruptly, it's because he's sick and tired of listening to yeah, whatever, is going on, but at least he can be honest about it. And that yeah. shows great mental health. So, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit of, of the pandemic and how, you know things are really shut down and things you know people have lost their jobs and mm-hmm. even their homes in some some instances. Yeah. How has that affected you personally uh with what you do?
0: I'm still able to podcast which is nice uh either remotely or I'll have people in uh, my apartment. It's much safer in New York now than it was a couple months ago. There are stand-up shows that are outside. I haven't done any of them, but I'm going to start showing up and being like, "All right, can I do some of these? It's it's completely different than normal stand up. It's kind of kind of sucks, but it is stand up, and it is getting on stage, and it also is this weird thing where it's like it's kind of harkens back to the roots of before there were microphones mm-hmm. and when there was just a storyteller around right. uh, the fire, you know, which I kind of al- have always thought about myself a little bit in terms of like the storyteller is this great role where you can figuratively alter someone's reality for a certain amount of time and cause them to see another life, another story, and bring them there. Whether it has a moral at the end, I don't know how much of that is comedy. My comedy is more just like to enjoy something and have a good time. But really good stories can be told hundreds of times and they don't lose and it's great. It feels so good to do that. But so the outside stuff is is still nice to have that. But I've besides that it's I kind of hurt my back a little bit. I started randomly, like, getting sciatica, which I'm 28, and I'm like, what the fuck? was going on? Can uh, it
1: be just because of lack of movement think, or not?
0: I think the lack of movement led to it, and then now it's just there. Right. Like, whatever happened led to it at the end of, uh, like, the beginning of the pandemic, and then now it's just, like, not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so getting better, old? But still.
1: I'm 28. Well, just wait till you hit 30. I mean, you'll wake up falling apart.
0: Trust me. I'm like, I'm not, I'm looking. Yeah. I'm like, I need stem cells now. Yeah. <laughs> but the the strangest thing i found is maybe it was because I was so used to being inside for so long, like, cause I went to see my family in North Carolina. Then I went to Georgia to see my brothers and I was just inside all day. I was just inside, would work out, watch TV with them, check in with friends every now and then. But like, that was it. I'm pretty good at being on my own. I've lived alone for a long time. Uh, I like keeping to myself.
1: You're alone but not lonely.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, no like but truly. Yeah. I, and I think you have to learn yeah. how to do that. Yeah. It took me a while to learn that being alone didn't e- like equal being lonely. Right. You I mean there's so many there's so many things you can do when you're alone that like you read alone, you learn like there's most learning is done all that stuff is done alone. Right. Watching show like whatever it is, but I found that recently, like I really don't want to see people that much. Uh, I work every now and then, and or like I'll help people out with things, and I'll see people then. But when people want to hang out, a lot of time, like friends and stuff. A lot of times, like, I'm like, let's just play. Let's play games, or it's like we're texting. Like we, mm-hmm. we're we're texting all day. Or we're talking all the time. Like I don't I don't know why. What, are we going to go to one of your spots and then chill there? Mm -hmm. Which is what I used to do before, but I don't feel bad doing it. Which is a thing I've been trying to grapple with where it's like, I don't feel bad not seeing any of these people, but then they ask me to hang out and I go, why do I not want to see them? And it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with them.
1: So do you feel like the isolation has made you more isolated, but
0: comfortable? For sure with the isolation definitely i think the isolation feeds into the anxiety of like do 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 yeah and with career stuff and everything feeling like it hasn't happened yet just leads you to be like what can i do next what can i do next okay let me let me do piano for 30 minutes let me now let me try to learn like a bit about this positive psychology course in coursera all right, let me read a bit of the news. Let me read, like... The news isn't going to help you yeah, feel better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not the... Not the new- I, mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. Not not really the news. Let me... I'll, I do the news for 15 minutes in the morning just right. to be like, did anyone, the vice president, die? And besides that, it's like, no. But, okay, are there some articles that maybe I could give me a different perspective? Is there... Like, I'm always trying to look in for shit to do. Always. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I do that, that turns me off is honestly play games and... Uh, I brought this up to my therapist a couple weeks ago. I think it's because it's the only time where I can solely focus on one thing and nothing else. I'm fully focused on that. I'm not doing anything else. I think it's also partially, it plays on a lot of your your neurochemistry Mm -hmm. to like want you to to come back in a way. And it's one of the few things that really plays on that for me, but I'm okay with it. But all my friends are on it. So we're talking on it there. Mm -hmm. It feels social. Also, you get better at it. You feel feel like you're getting better because with comedy, a lot of it can feel very amorphous and like nebulous. And you can't grab onto like, am I getting better? Am I not? I don't have control over doing shows. I have to be booked on shows. I have to, it's all this stuff where it's like, I get to choose when to do that game. I could do it for eight hours and I could grind it out. And I like having that tangibility. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I do it. But the I've been judging myself a lot for the isolation being like why am I being like this what's the deal cuz I I would love seeing friends
1: well even though in in video games you you talk about you would play it with your friends mm-hmm. but they're at another location and but even within that there's not like a third party conversation or a sub conversation going on you're focused on the game and you're kind of coordinating together
0: there are there are some there are okay. some sub, yeah there's okay. a lot of laughs okay. in the game okay. which I think is part of it as well right if i was playing alone I probably wouldn't play half as much as, right. as I would. There, but
1: you are all focused on doing the exactly. same thing. So there probably isn't room for somebody to say, hey, Dylan, I'm just having a horrible bad day, and this has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong, and this has Hell gone no, wrong. Hell no, dude. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting none of that, right. which is great. Which is why you are getting energized off of it, because yeah. you're all focused on the same thing. There's nothing going to bring you down within mm-hmm. in all of this. So, yeah, it, 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 I can see how that would work. But isolation within that, you can only play video games for so long. Mm -hmm. So then you don't know what to do. You get kind of a a dopamine from having that video game and being focused and being driven and, and having your friends around, but then it all goes away. The minute that you turn off and then, you know, if I do anything with friends, I have to listen to all their problems too, and I don't yeah. I want to spend time with them. I don't want to have a therapy session with them.
0: But the friends that I would hang out with now would it wouldn't be the that's been the confusing thing is that they're not the ones that would bring up like their pro. I think it's partially for some people I'd have to hear your problems. But I really think I think my my thought process goes, what are we even gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know, even with hanging out, I'm like, we gotta do something, right? It's that constant need. When you're playing a game, I feel like I'm doing something. Right. And that's, it's just enough. Right. Because when I stop doing the game, I'm going, all right, what can I do now? Mm-hmm. And is that tiring? And is that going to probably lead to burnout at some point? Yes. But, you know, I'm young, dude. I'll feel like the burnout is at least five years away. So I got time to figure Let's it out. Let's hope it's 10 yeah. years yeah, away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. saying if, if I was doing this and Not not having anything change, which I believe things will change. You know, I started trying to see someone to at least add that having a girl is the only time that I'm like, okay, I cannot do anything because being with her is the thing that I'm doing, Mm. which I think sometimes leads to the girl thinking, I don't want to do anything. Sure. But what they don't understand is that it's the only time that I feel like I can relax at all. All I want to do is not do anything, just like chill there with you. And they think it's like, oh, he's lazy. He doesn't want to go out. It's like, no. I think this is the first time that I feel like I can take a breath. Like a lot of times, the girl I've been seeing recently, I just get tired whenever I'm with her. And I don't think it's because I'm bored. I think it's because I feel like I can take a breath and almost not think about anything. Sure. You know, I'm not falling asleep, but like I would. You're relaxed. I'm like actually relaxed. I'm yawning all the time. She's like, why are you yawning? And I'm like, and I go like, I'm not bored by you. Like this is great. I remember someone told me once that not a random person like a, a therapist I'd seen a long time ago she was like a lot of people think yawning is just from being tired but some people think it's the body like re- like it's like a release of energy or, right. or like a a safe a se- yeah or a, like a switch from your from your sympathetic to your parasympathetic right. you know right. i have to try to do other stuff with them but that was always my even with my most recent girlfriend like a, 5 years ago whatever i would just i would just want to do nothing with her and it, and it wasn't because I wasn't into her. I was in love with her. It was just, I was in the career. I was always doing shit. I was like, man, I just want to not do anything. And I don't feel good when I don't do anything alone. So when I'm with someone and it's just me, then I can do it. There's a few, I can do nothing with a girl and then my two brothers. And that that's pretty much it. Maybe, maybe family too, to a bit. My two brothers, I'm comfortable enough with them where I know after, you know, even if we're not, we're doing it, we're going to get food and then it's still, there's still enough there. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I have a friend who, if for say we're going to hang out on such and such day, he sends me a calendar invite and literally we meet at such and such time. But at the time that that calendar invite is over, uh-huh. doesn't matter what we're doing, it's over. He's so scheduled in that. But down. then within that, he says and you know it's mutual we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and it's not just hey we're just going to hang out and see see what happens and i found a lot of comfort in yeah, knowing nice. what was going to happen as to where other people would not appreciate that at all you know
0: i think it's good because it's you don't have to think about what's going to happen and there's no expectation yeah you're just like all right we're going to go to this place, to get dinner for an hour and a half. Then we'll go to this dessert place or whatever. Then we'll go to the river for 20 minutes, just chill. Maybe drink a coffee, whatever. And that's it. Yeah, I got to go home at 10. You two, we're out. And I think that's good sometimes. I think that's a good to have as a base. And then if all of a sudden you're like, because I'm a big spontaneous guy. Something happens, you're like, yeah, let's try this out. Mm-hmm. But for those normal hangouts you do with someone, It's nice to be like, all right, we got a plan. Let's, it's like people that don't plan a vacation and people that do plan. I'm a not planner on vacation Mm -hmm. because whenever I see plans as a constraint, oh, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. But the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, actually plans are option one. Mm -hmm. So you set all that up. Right. And then the way I like to do it is if anything else pops up that seems more interesting, Mm -hmm. you go do that. It's like the concert, you know, concerts plan A. Okay? You expect plan A to work. Right. If it sucks halfway through, plan B is random bar at the end of the street, ends up being a really fun time, getting waffles at 2 a.m., having a great night. Right. You know what I mean? That, right. It can always be that.
1: But then you have those people that plan A is the only plan, and we're no, going to no, no. get our money's yeah. worth, and yes. we're on vacation, but we're not going to relax because every moment is planned.
0: Yeah, they, the money's worth thing is... So, yeah, it's like... And trust me, I understand that because... I think of every day is like, I gotta do as many things today so that's a successful day. Trust me, I get it. It's a little bit different when you're on vacation. I would rather those people be like that every day compared to like on vacation. But the money's worth thing is also like, dude, it's your time. Mm-hmm. It's your life. Just what are you enjoying doing? If you're supposed to go somewhere and you don't really want to go and you're really enjoying where you're at, what's the right move? Right. And it might be oh, I'm really enjoying this, but if I take a second to think about it, I think that'll be good too. Then I'll go. Mm-hmm. And then you can make the decision, you know? Right. A lot of times it's like you got to wait with cravings, with food and stuff. A lot of times if I want something, a lot of times you'll just grab it and eat it. Mm-hmm. But if you go, wait, do I really want this? Or do I just want like the taste of the, sh- like the carbs, the sugar? Let me like think about it for a second. Oh, okay, I'm, I think I'm good actually. Mm-hmm. If you kind of let it pass, it can be a fleeting, I found that like the fleeting- a Big thing for me, I'll like, or I'll see the dried mangoes in the, in the cupboard. I'm like, oh, shit, those will be good. Mm-hmm. And I did it last night, and I was like, oh, it's fucking F5. But you know, I'm like, well, if I had walked by and been like, do I really need those right now? I'm about to go to sleep, blah blah blah. Nah, I'll be good. That's probably what would have happened, right? But we fail every day, dude, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, sometimes, like at the end of a therapy session, I would never say this to a client, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking. Well, I hope that last 45 minutes was worth it because you're not getting it back. You know, yeah. this was just a horrible, horrible yes. time. But I think sometimes people feel like they're obligated and we're not obligated to anyone but ourselves. And, and I tell even in, in marital counseling, you are an adult. You do not have to explain yourself to anyone. And a lot of times that gets a little sticky Uh, I feel like
0: there is some pushback on that, though, to a certain degree. You've made a pact with someone else, don't they? Okay, so
1: uh, let's pretend for a minute that you're married and your wife, you say, hey, honey, let's go go to a comedy show. And Mm -hmm. she says, I don't really want to do that. Does she owe you an explanation of why? Or should you respect that she don't want to do that? So let's think about something we would both mutually want to do.
0: It's tricky, though, because it's like, well, you're shooting down my idea. Like, I'm trying to go have a good time with you. Mm -hmm. At least I, if it was my relationship, I would at least want to be like, I would at least want to ask, well, why not? What's like, what's something you would want to do? Mm -hmm. What's, did you not like the last one we went to? Just so I can find out, I offered something that I, in my mind, thought she would probably say yes to. Mm -hmm. And now she's not saying it. Is this a just today thing? Is this a... You've never liked going to comedy. Show? That's why I would ask. Right. You know, if she was just like, I just don't really want to go. Right. I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. I I would go. Then I think yes, you don't need a, you don't need an explanation. Right. I'm not really feeling it today. Okay. People are in different moods all the time. Mm-hmm. I get it for sure.
1: Right. But in the sense here, it would be I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. And you would say, okay, well, is there something else you would want to do? Yeah. And she, you know, tells you something else. As opposed to giving her the third degree of why, why do you not want to do that? And did you not think that was fun? Because I had fun. And, and so you get then you into this, something this rabbit trail of, of problems and issues. But I think that a lot of times we don't even consider that in our friendships. You mm-hmm. know, we feel obligated because we here do. we are a lot of times. Yeah. Here we are. But I think our friendships would be stronger if we were just able to say, look, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Without fear of having to defend yourself.
0: Yeah, because you don't want to be annoying. You don't want to. I think it's the stronger the relationship gets, the more you can just be open and go like, honestly, I don't really feel like doing that, dude. And I think it's helpful because that can be very blunt. You know, And a lot of people, everyone, you've got trouble controlling your emotions and your reactions so we're reactionary beings. I think it's always helpful to be like, I want to be honest, man, I'm not really feeling like doing that. I don't want to shoot because you can be, because you don't want to be the person that's just shooting down all the options. Right. That person sucks. And right. we've all been that person and we know we suck when we are that person, but mm-hmm. you're like in it you're like, no, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. So at least you can be like, oh, let's try something else out. But on the other end of the coin, I would say, if you're the person that's saying, if my wife was like, no, I don't want to go do that. Do I not have a right to be like, well, I do. I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Because you don't have to explain why you want to. And a lot of people that say, I don't want to do it, don't like it when the person is like, well, I want to go. And then they go anyway. 100%. They see it as like a betrayal. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm respecting that you don't want to go. 100%. So, because then all of a sudden it becomes like, you're not wanting to go overrides my wanting to go. Mm -hmm. That's unfair.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. So that's the... Because people like to hear the first side of it, which is like, I don't have to explain why I don't want to go. And it's like, well, they don't like the other side, which is, well, then you can't get mad when the other person does choose to go. Unless you offer the third option. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that's where I was going with it. So you uh, just stole my, my thunder bad. there. My bad. Uh, but that's okay. <laughs> uh We've had Dylan here with us today. We've talked a lot about his career and things going on and relationships and a lot of things I didn't really – think we would get into, but yeah, that's, me neither. that's cool too. Uh, so stay tuned here as we go into Doc Talks DX, where we talk about some of the diagnoses that we would put together with issues such as why we want to stay isolated when we've been isolated. We're even going to get into talking about how social media affects our self-worth mm-hmm. and dopamines and and that sort of thing. So Dylan, where can people find you?
0: Online, Dylan J. Palladino, D-Y-L-A-N-J-P-A-L-L-A-D-I-N-O. All right. Instagram, everywhere.
1: Instagram and everywhere. Yes, sir. Great. You can find me at thedocbrian.com on TikTok, doc underscore Brian, Instagram, thedocbrian. There's a link at the bottom of my website from all of my social media. Feel free to follow us there, and we look forward to having you with us next time. Make sure to check out the second part of this episode, Dr. DX Diagnosis on Patreon, and we will see
0: you later.